The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Tuesday, June the 8th, and we are rolling through the offseason. We will be breaking down the most improved teams of the 2021 NFL offseason shortly, along with uh, we'll do some news and notes from mini camps coming up in future episodes. You can go check out a mailbag show from Monday where we break every, you know, we just answer mailbag questions. And if you want to leave a mailbag question for us to answer, you may do so in the YouTube comments or by doing a five-star review, which is the preference. If you want, ask us questions. We need questions. Leave reviews. Leave five-star reviews. It helps us in many different ways when you do that. We also have a Julio Jones emergency, a Julio Jones traded emergency podcast because Julio Jones, big trade. Not big enough to, for John Breach to get off his tail and come do the podcast, but big enough for mm-hmm. Ryan Wilson to uh, to hop on for a, you know, 20, 30 minutes. And Wilson and I broke it down. Joining me now to talk about the most improved teams of the 20. Oh, by the way, if you're watching on YouTube, tell us uh, who you think is the most improved team of the NFL this offseason. And let us know in the comments. We won't pick a winner, but hit that like button too. Like button helps a lot. Um, by the way. You can follow the Pick 6 podcast on Spotify. If you're listening on Spotify right now, go to the Pick 6 show page and hit that rectangle follow button so that when new episodes are dropped, they'll be at the top of your feed. You can also turn on alerts so you'll get an alert that says new episode available. You can just click through that, bang, and listen. If you're listening elsewhere or watching on YouTube, give Spotify a try and drop us a follow on there. Just you got Spotify. Everybody's Spotify. Just search for Pick 6 podcast and hit follow. Hook us up. Help us out. Anywho. Most improved teams joining me to talk about it. Ryan Wilson, John Breach. What's up, boys? Hello, uh, Breach. I'm glad you made it safely from your vacation. Number two, by the way, while Brenton and I toiled on Sunday afternoon uh, to cover the Julio Jones news. Are, are you safe and did you have a great vacation? Well, you know, what's funny is that June 8th today is National Best Friends Day. And I was going to open the podcast by saying how lucky I am to be podcasting with my best friends. But, man, after listening to this opening, you guys aren't my best friends. You're not even in the top 20 anymore. You're just throwing me under the bus for not showing up for this Julio Jones thing. I'm celebrating my brother-in-law's birthday in Alabama. And going to Alabama is not a vacation, uh, despite what you guys may think. No offense to anyone in Alabama. Uh, and send it to his family. <laughs> I was going to say, is it your family from Alabama? Interesting. Your in-law family is from Alabama. My, my and his brother. Family. That's not against them. It's just... If I had a choice of where to go for vacation, Alabama is not at the top of the list. That's all. 
it would be can, it would be Cancun in January if I had. And for the rest, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't hate that. Full <laughs> <laughs> teaser for those that don't know that John Breach will be skipping a large portion of the NFL regular season to go uh, lounge in Cancun and drink fruity drinks. You know, the most amazing part of that story Breach has told is that Tuesday, June eighth, is actually Best Friends Day, National Best Friends Day. How is that a thing? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Of course, I won't be celebrating with you guys because you're not my best friend. What a weird anymore. Weird. Uh, okay. You, you got no one else to turn to, Breach. I'm sorry. You're kind of screwed here. <laughs> <laughs> you're stuck. Like my wife, you're stuck. By the way, uh, if it's Tuesday, June 8th, Friday, is it Fridays at June 11th? Is that right? That sounds right. That would be my 10th anniversary. Ooh. 10 years. I wonder what it feels like for AK. 50 years? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're going to go. Uh, we, we It actually worked out really well. We're going to do like a short little trip now and then a longer trip later. Um, oh, so called, two vacations. That's huh? called, that's Wilson called didn't a say anything to you. <laughs> that's called taking a breach. Yeah, I was going to point out, by the way, that Ryan Wilson, truly one of America's, uh, maybe the, the world's elite vacation chambers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, oh, we're not supposed to do that anymore either. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, and leaving town for the weekend is not a vacation. Is that he's an elite vacation. Gamer. I got to dial that back. <laughs> uh, but you know what? The reason Wilson uh, is such a good vacation shamer is because he gets ahead of it early because he knows that he takes this annual little camping soccer trip on Labor Day, which is a pretty key day, like weekend in the NFL. And so you know what's funny though, here's here's why I, I haven't thought about it until now. Why I'm a vacation shamer. It used to be less so now. We just make fun of each other. Because back in the day, and we were talking about this before the podcast last week, I think. If Brenton takes off, me and Breach have to work those extra shifts when we used to all write together. That's why I'd be like, why? Why are you never around every Friday and Saturday for the entire months of June, July, and August? And host the podcast. So it like piles on to our responsibilities. Correct. Whereas if I disappear, that doesn't affect Princeton at all. <laughs> but now unless it, he has to it, do an emergency podcast. No, 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 he always has in the past. No, I right, don't right. care as much now. He just he's just it's right. Just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just in his nature to be a vacation chamber. That's, that's right. how he operates. Hundred percent accurate. But as Brinson did say, every Labor Day since I've worked here, Wilson would mysteriously disappear. And wasn't uh, a mystery. My, I told you. My, mind you, that is cut day in the <laughs> NFL. So that is a huge weekend that Wilson never was able to partake in because he was always on vacation. <laughs> Worth noting, and Breach, you can attest to this, because uh, uh, Brinson joined CBS in 2010. I joined in 2011. And the years since 2011 to 20, uh, probably 2019, I think I didn't do it 2020. I'm, in fact, I'm sure I didn't. How many times do you think Brinson covered the Hall of Fame weekend? A big goose egg. Yeah, and probably it is, zero. It is not a fun event to cover. Over you under covered, zero. You covered it with me a few times, and there's a mix of a live blog and a person recapping every single person's speech, and at no point. So I felt I had earned the right to disappear over the most important non-game play weekend of the NFL calendar. I think I covered like the first two or three. You did not. There's okay, no well, well, we about that time we started doing our annual fantasy football trip to Pinehurst. And it just happened to be that same weekend. And you know, no matter what, can't, can't put work ahead of fantasy football. Fantasy football really worked too. You know, yeah. uh, we're really not doing a good job of uh, promoting ourselves as hard workers right now. <laughs> <laughs> people that are, we're, I think people that listen to this podcast have a pretty good idea uh, about our workout, about how hard we work. That is exactly right, Ryan. Let's get into the work itself and talk about the most improved teams in the NFL. Wilson, we will start with you. Who is the most, imp- and again, this is not who's the best. 
It could be, you know, like Breach could, for all we know, say the Bengals, because we know the Bengals suck. The Bengals won't be good, but if Breach thinks they're the most improved team this offseason, that would qualify. So, again, taking what a team had at the end of the year and getting to most improved. Who is your most improved team, Wilson? I'm going to go with uh, another team in Ohio that's not terrible, the Cleveland Browns. Mm. And that's a weird thing Mm -hmm. to say as a Steelers homer. Our, hopefully our buddy Ken Carmen, who hosts the radio show in Cleveland, will appreciate this. If he's gotten this far, I can't imagine he has. I would have turned this off a long time ago. <laughs> but uh, I feel like the Browns are – uh, from Ryan Wilson right there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, salesman of the year right here. Uh, I feel like the Browns, uh, to, to quote Mike Tomlin, the arrow's pointing up on that organization. And I think a lot of it has to do – You know, we always keep coming back to this. The Freddie Kitchens year was something you'd like to forget, but I think Andrew Barry was a huge get. I think Kevin Stefanski was a huge get. I think Baker Mayfield has been – uh, much more consistent under under Stefanski for the reasons that we talked about forever once he Stefanski arrived from Minnesota is that he was going to lean on the running game and let his quarterback have success, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, this team is young on both sides of the ball. Um, so they're, mo- they're, they're one of the most improved teams for me, and they're doing it after winning 11 games last year, and they almost uh, pulled off that playoff victory o- over the, the Chiefs after Patrick Mahomes went down. And uh, we all remember how Chad Henney – Chad hitting it up there the last end of the game to pull that out. But, I mean, any other year in the last 20 years, the Browns would lose that game 100 to nothing. So I think not only did they beat the Steelers in back-to-back weeks, week 17 in the first round of the playoffs, but that Chiefs game, I think, gave them confidence going into this next season. And now they're doing it with with better players, healthier players. They signed, excuse me, John Johnson the third. They have Jadavian Clowney, who I think helps not so much as, a, as an edge rusher, but as sort of a setting-the-edge run stuffer. Uh, yeah, they're all the guys there. Then the draft, they got cornerback Greg Newsom. They got Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa in round two. Uh, they got Anthony Schwartz, who I sort of compared him to to um, Mike Wallace in terms of being a, a straight-up burner. And they'll have guys coming back that were injured last year, Odell Beckham, Grant Delpit. Um, I think Denzel Ward was injured for part of the year, but Greedy Williams was for sure. So, again, you put all these things together. Miles Garrett will be back. He'll now have some edge rush help on the opposite side of him. And you just feel like, and I think, Brenton, we talked about this one when uh, Preach was on one of his other vacations. <laughs> we're, not talk, we're not talking enough about the the Browns in that division. I, I think I think you said that the Ravens are slightly favored to win the division. I do wonder if that's going to change before the actual football starts. I could, very well could. You know, I look at this, and I know you mentioned their names, but they grabbed John Johnson and Troy Hill from two young, youngish, and Troy Hill's 30, but I mean like young under the radar, and in the case of Josh Johnson, John Johnson, excuse me, really ascending, I think, players from a really, really good defense in the Rams. Like, go out and poach some players in the Rams and add them to your secondary and make your secondary that much better. Uh, you know, they also, Jadavin Clowney is the sort of the headliner there, but, you know, one-year deal, $8 million, that is not much at all. And he should be motivated to maybe get one more big contract if he can have a big year, um, you know, in, in what, you hope it's a it's a fairly full all season. Malik Jackson, cheap, nice depth there too. If he if he's healthy, he's he's an improved player or improve improve their defensive line, especially with the loss of Larry Ogunjobi. And then Tack McKinley, you know, you take again another flyer on a big name. I just think they they really did a good job last off season of focusing on the offense and making sure that they had all the right pieces in place to be this team that can run the football. And then this year you see it in the draft. And then of course, in the, in the free agency, they focus on defense, Greg Newsom, the second Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. And I love the idea that they said, all right, we think our offense is good enough to win the way it's set up. 
let's go improve the defense. And I think you can make a case of the best team in the uh, AFC North breach. Yeah, absolutely. I do think you can say that even though I'm a Bengals homer, I, I, I'm not going to pretend like they are the best team. And you look at the Browns and, you know, you guys mentioned everything they added. The only thing I would say about Cleveland and, and calling them the most improved, uh, I, I guess, team in the NFL is what Ryan's saying here is that, look, this team went 11 and five last year, and I'm not sure that they're going to be able to improve on 11 wins. You know, I, they Even could with go an extra game breach 11 and six, 10 and seven, but getting to 12 and five or 13 to four, it isn't going to be easy. And, you know, we're going to see more of Baker Mayfield. We need to see him continue to improve uh, because he's been so up and down over his short career that you kind of don't know for sure what you're going to get from him. And, and once again, it, it feels like the season kind of comes down to how well Mayfield plays. Although I think he's in a lot better place now because he's going to have uh, the same offense two years in a row. He's going to be with Kevin Stefanski again. Uh, so I, I do think he's in a position to succeed. And like you guys said, the, the defense just seems a lot better. I know someone like Debbie and Clowney, we haven't seen a lot from him over the past couple of years, but now that he has miles Garrett on the other side, he has a, you know, a true star pass rusher that he gets to play with uh, that. We also saw him, uh, you know, he's playing with JJ Watt in 2016, 2017, when he had two really good years. Uh, so I think Clowney could be someone who's sneaky good this year. Um, yeah. So I, I do like what the Browns did. Are they most improved team in the NFL? I don't know about that, but they're definitely good and arguably the best team in the division. Our buddies, yeah, yeah. William, our buddies, William Hill have the Browns, uh, win total as we sit here at 10. I don't mind that over at all. The Ravens just for point of comparison are 11. I probably yeah. need to look at their schedule a little bit closer, but I think that I, over is a good look. It, they it, open with the chiefs. And I think that, cause like if they come out and beat the chiefs in week one, they might go, then they might go 13 and four. Cause that's going to give them all the confidence in the world. That they can beat anyone in the league. But if you come out and lose, you know, 42 to 10, then all of a sudden it's, Oh man, the same old Browns. They get better, but got worse. <laughs> I just think this is Brown team is going to be steady. I, I think that's one of the that's one of the biggest differences between Cleveland of the past and Cleveland under Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, and and even with Baker Mayfield, who you know, I, I was really fascinating that you see this offseason Baker Mayfield essentially was like, look, I'm not trying, I'm not, I'm not going to be pounding the table for a new contract. I, it's cool. I, we're just going to play the next year. That's. I That's thought you were going to say he's not doing all these commercials that make you want to. Well, he's not doing those either. And look, it's Baker is treated as has always been treated as sort of like a diva and a punk by a bunch of people who who don't like Baker Mayfield for whatever reason. I think. Which, can I ask Debo a question? Yeah, because Debo, when we talked about Julio, I forgot to bring this up to Debo. Uh, Ken Carmen, who I just mentioned, wasn't happy about your Baker Mayfield take a few weeks ago, Debo. I didn't hear it. So, what did you say about Baker? Oh, I believe that's when we had to rank the the previous Oklahoma quarterbacks and one current one. So we ranked Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, and Spencer Rattler. He should be a first-round pick. I had Baker fourth on that list. That's right. I forgot about that. Okay, Behind Jalen Hurts. Yep. We'll talk in 2026, Brinson. (laughs) That's what it was. Okay. We'll we'll talk every year from 2021 to 2026. (laughs) But I remind you what a dumb take that is. Steve O's. Is Debo in a he would cut himself off? Sounds Go like ahead, he's Bree. in a convertible while he's driving through a garbage truck. <laughs> through Is that possible? Because that's what it sounds like. Uh, um, any, I'm anyway. just gonna say real quick about Baker is that 
You know, Brenton, you did mention that he's not going after that contract right now, but that also benefits Baker Mayfield not to be doing that because if I'm him, I'm waiting till Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen gets their deal done, and then I'm coming in hot after that trying to either get close to beating it or beating it. It'll be interesting to see how Baker's contract situation works out. I, I think, in my opinion, there's a very good chance that he will play well in 2021 and he'll get paid next offseason. But I what also does that mean though? That's north of 30, right? Yeah, I think so. The, the problem for Baker, and you know, I mentioned Baker is a MVP candidate, you know, longer shot on on well, 35 to one. That's not a crazy number. I don't hate that. I like it, the Trent it, Williams to win come by player of the year much better. Yeah, it was 200 to one. Could have happened. At any rate, Baker. The problem is that if you look at Kevin Stefanski's 2019 in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins, it is strikingly similar to Baker Mayfield's 2020 season in Cleveland. And one of the things that stands out to me is a, is a fairly minimal amount of passing attempts and passing yards. And I, do, I don't think the Browns are going to suddenly become this chunk it deep, throw it all around team. They're going to be a team that has a running, run it, run the football identity. That's what Kevin Stefanski wants. You use the bootlegs off the play action. And there are a couple, there's a couple games every year for Cleveland where in this happens in lots of different spots, but Cleveland is notable just because of its, its location on the, on some, it is on some great big, big ass lake, right? Big yes. Ass, yeah. Uh, I'm kidding. The, we had, remember we had the big lake discussion. At any rate, oh, right. Yeah. There were two or three games last year. Back to super lake. Yeah, back-to-back games where the wind was crazy in Cleveland and you just aren't going to get the same numbers. So I sort of wonder if we could see a little bit less money and a little bit less MVP award love for Baker Mayfield because the volume just isn't going to be there for a guy versus somebody like Dak Prescott or Matt Ryan where you know they're going to throw. Uh, Kirk Cousins know. at any point the highest-paid quarterback with that three-year deal? No, he was never highest paid, but I mean, I think, I think settling in at above, I don't know. I mean, at any rate, I'll be a top five. The larger point is that we're not going to have to talk about Baker Mayfield's contract till next year. Cause Baker has said, I'm not going to create a distraction by slamming my hand on the, you know, pounding my, pounding my fist on the table, demanding money. And I think that I, I'm very impressed because that's an adult thing to do. I thought it was in his best interest to do that. And he's going to make everything a little bit smoother for his team this year. So I like that from Baker Mayfield. That makes me more confident in the Browns uh, without, without the you know, distractions we saw the first couple of years from them. So top five quarterback would have to be north of $33.5 million a year. So he's getting that. 35? Uh, he's getting 30, that easy because, because the quarterback market's at 40. He's going to get close yeah. to that. But only Dak has 40. Deshaun Watson has 39. Then Russell Yeah, but then 30. you have, you know, like, uh, when Josh Lamar Allen Jackson and, and Josh Allen, they're both going to get close to that number if they don't beat it. I mean, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz are getting paid 30, 33.5 and 32 per year. So if Baker Mayfield plays, if Baker Mayfield has a better, a slightly better season next year than he had last year, I mean, he's cl- clearly surpassing Goff and Wentz in terms of quarterback abilities, unless Wentz takes another step forward or Goff magically becomes good in Detroit, which seems fairly unlikely. By the way, fun fact, Andy Dalton makes more per year than Joe Burrow. That's ten million to nine million forty-seven. A veteran makes more than someone on a rookie contract. Great fun fact, Ryan. (laughs) Andy Dalton is the veteran, though. It's not like it's, for example, uh, what's his face, clowning. How much? Yeah. What are you talking about, (laughs) clowny? I'm just saying, like a, a 
a sought after edge rusher, for example, versus uh, a backup to the backup quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think it's pretty obvious that that Andy Dalton would make more than Joe Burrow. Why? Just, Why? Just, I mean, it's this. Joe Burrow's on on average making nine million dollars this year. You you think Andy Dalton's worth more than that? I just think a veteran quarterback is going to sign for roughly. Jameis Samet signed for what a million dollars. Taysom Hill is making more than Joe Burrow. Yeah, Jameis signed for five point five. Teddy Bridgewater is making I mean, more than Joe Burrow. I mean, Jameis Winston's making more than Josh Allen this year. That's just sort of the point of the contract, like the rookie contracts. I don't. It's a, I don't know why. I thought you were just doing a bit where you tried to dunk on Breach for no, like a like a weird. Joe Burrow is the first overall pick, and Andy Dalton is not very good. That's what. Okay, but that's not. It's not Joe Burrow can't control how much he makes. Okay. Then we're fine. I'm just, I, I said it was a fun fact. <laughs> I mean, Trevor Lawrence makes more than Joe Burrow, too. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Makes more, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick makes more than Trevor Lawrence. What's your point? I can't believe Wilson tried to dunk on me and Will, and then Brinson came in and just knocked him to the ground. That's called a foul. Oh, foul, Down hard. You two numb nuts have no idea what's going on. There, we'll uh, see. Uh, Andrew, uh, how about Big Ben, by the way? Uh, he came out and um, what Adam Gold, my buddy uh, in Raleigh, doing Raleigh Radio, asked me about this before I did the podcast. He was like, uh, he's like, Big Ben is emphatic that it was his idea that he took the pay cut. You buying that? I was like, no, no. Oh, that's a, actually, that's an interesting twist. No, no, no. I want you to cut my salary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went to the team. You know what's best? I should make less money than Derek Carr. I, he did say after the season, you know, before the actual pay cut happened, that he'd be willing to pay play for whatever number. And sure, you just say that to sound good publicly, but you know, I'm not sure he probably didn't ask for a pay cut. But when you say something like that, that kind of kills your negotiation or any leverage you and, have. Remember, then the Steelers were like, they said, you know, we're not sure if we're going to bring Ben back or not. We're still trying to make that decision. At that point, I think Ben wants to be able to say it was my idea. So he went to them and said, just cut me, you know, I'm willing to take a pay cut. I am willing to take a pay cut. So technically he's probably right, but I think it was just imparted on him that he would be getting a pay cut. Um, anyhow, are the Steelers one of the most improved teams in this offseason? Find out after the break. Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes... It's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run to the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA and made Charles Barkley the first black president Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors, Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week of the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Breach! I can tell you the Steelers are not my most improved team this offseason. So, really, there's only one person left to decide the fate of... Ryan Wilson's favorite football team are the Steelers. Your most approved team this offseason. Well, I mean, we know for a fact that literally the last team I would put as my most improved team is the Pittsburgh Steelers. If Ryan didn't put them there, we know they're not on this list. None of us had the Steelers on our most improved team list. So I thought about this a lot. I thought about is the most improved team, the team that I think is going to have the most extra wins, you know, I, I, like Jacksonville, I think is a good candidate because they went one in 15 last year. I think they're going to be a lot better uh, they added a lot of talent. Uh, I thought about putting the Bengals, but I didn't want to sound too homerish. So in the end, I went with uh, the New England Patriots. I think we all know what they did this offseason. They went in the free agency and spent $7 billion. They wow. had Mac Jones fall into their lap during the draft. I, this offseason could not have gone any better for the Patriots. I mean, they just absolutely reloaded defensively. I think Matthew Judon is probably the biggest addition there. Uh, we know that Bel- Bill Belichick loves having as many tight ends as he can get his hands on. And he went out and got all the big ones with Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. Uh, you know, and, and the receivers, he added a few. Nobody great, but definitely an improvement over what they had last year, which is all that matters. And you know you, what? You would be an improvement over that breach. I, I mean, for real. And and the crazy thing is you look at the Patriots roster from last season and how many coaches could have take that roster and win seven games. Like it is a miracle that that team went seven and nine. Belichick should have gotten some coach of the year votes for that. And so, you know, I think they've improved so much. I can't see any way, uh, they don't finish at least above 500. I don't think they're going to go out there and win the Super Bowl or go 13 and four or something. Uh, but I do think this is going to be a nine or 10 win team. A couple things to win total, according to William Hill, is nine for New England. Buffalo is at 10 and a half. They're obviously the favorites in that division. I think, like, so if Cam Newton and or Mac Jones, some combination of those two, is 70% Cam Newton and then, you know, Mac Jones plays at a pretty high level for a rookie. I think they can win the division. I just feel like Belichick saw those seven wins, and he's like, that's it. I'm done. As you know, DeBreach, he spent trillions of dollars. And also, this is sort of a a Patriots move that we don't talk a lot about because it's not that exciting. But they'll send a player away, usually to Miami, and then they sign him back a year later. They did that with Kyle Van Noy and Ted Karras, both uh, players who played in Miami last year, both who were – valuable beyond being sort of role players. Ted Harris started last year. Van Noy was was an important part of that defense. And now they're back in in New England as well. And they were part of the Super Bowl team a few years ago. So uh, I think there are very few holes in this roster. I think the biggest hole, of course, is figuring out what happens to quarterback. And then second is probably wide receiver. But as you note, they're better than they were before. The Patriots just by default have to be 
on this list. I was almost surprised this wasn't the team that Breach, you know, Breach does that thing where he's like emails really quickly when yeah. to grab the, the obvious answer. And then it's like, yeah, I'm super smart because I picked the obvious team. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> now, the, to be fair, that, that was Sean's move. That was Sean's move. And then I stole it. Yeah. He would always pick the Chiefs to like to win the game. Like whatever. Who's going to win this week? I'm going with the Chiefs. Yeah. I've okay. selected the Chiefs as my Super Bowl winner for the 2020 season. I am original and young. And by the way, the best part of the uh, making fun of Sean is that uh, listeners will appreciate this. Sean texted us the other day and said, I listened to the Pick Six podcast for the first time in three or four months, whatever it was. Five minutes in, you're already making fun of me for things that aren't true. <laughs> <laughs> and that was also like the first time we had mentioned him in two or three months. So it's crazy that that happened to be the one that you listened to. I want, well, in case he's listening today, I want him to know that we are. Um, getting far enough away from his employment by CBS that I'm starting to forget he, he was ever here and uh, really not thinking about him that much. And, you, know, you know, you know, like once you get, you know, you, somebody leaves as part of your podcast for a long time, you, you, you know, you, there's a little void for a little while. Eh. You're over. It's yeah. Right. It's like a girlfriend you had in high school and like, yeah, I, I, I didn't like her as much as I thought I did. Yeah. Ex- yes, exactly. <laughs> 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 somebody send this. To, somebody tweet this to Sean. So yeah, he can uh, to Sean. Um, no, but look, the Patriots, the Patriots did a great job this offseason. You know, you could quibble that Kendrick Bourne and, and Nelson Aguilar are not the uh, the pass catching receivers that you would want to add. But I do think they complement uh, John o. Smith and Hunter Henry well. They they stood pat and grabbed Mac Jones in the draft, which was huge. Christian Barmore, they moved up to get. I mean, this is Bill Belichick. Bama's the new Rutgers, baby. He said, I'm not done trying to be cute and draft people from weird places. And, and I sort of wonder if this isn't maybe a bit of strategy from his part. You know, he's talked openly that with Nick Casario gone, and maybe this is Belichick sort of shifting some of the blame onto Nick Casario for the struggles of the Patriots in the draft in recent years, and that would be perfectly fine because Casario's good luck down in Houston, pal, uh, and, and coming out of that smelling like roses. But Belichick now targeting with his first three picks here, Mac Jones, Christian Barmore, and Ronnie Perkins, big name like guys from big-time schools. I mean, drafting two Alabama guys with his first two picks has not always been a, a staple for uh, for for a Bill Belichick type of uh, offseason, although I guess he did it in um, – I had a stat during the draft. I'm sure I've since deleted, but it was something like of all the draft eligible players um, since Nick Saban was hired at Alabama in 2007, I think like something like eight or 9% went to new England. Really? Is that right? Yeah. It's something insane. Like they, there's a, there's a clear so does draft Alabama players. That's all he does. That's right. Um, I feel like they hadn't done that in recent years, although maybe, you know what, maybe it was the 2012 because they traded back up and got, um, who they got? They got, oh, they got Chandler Jones, who was from Syracuse. And then, Dot the high tower, but that sort of feels. I guess. I guess maybe I'm just anecdotally thinking this. It feels like whenever Belichick gets sort of in a in a tough spot from a, a, you know, a roster perspective, he likes to reboot the Patriots with with bigger, like, you know, two like two big early picks from big schools. I didn't realize they drafted eight percent of the freaking. Bama I have to guys. double check that, but it's something ridiculously high like okay. that. So he does draft a ton of Bama guys, then I guess. But again, uh, that makes sense too because if you're taking a flyer on a kid from some D three school, you have no idea how that's going to turn out. You know, if you're number one, he and Nick Saban are apparently really close. You can see they that, are that, very close. That HBO documentary, which is very good, and I'm sure they talk about things beyond just what random coaches talk about who don't know each other in, in the college and NFL. So I, I would imagine there's a a connection there as well. Okay, scrolling through very quickly. Yes, he drafts tons of Alabama guys, <laughs> but but usually it's not like. But actually, kind of it started in 2010. 
with uh, Brandon uh, Brandon Diedrich in the seventh round, Dante Hightower in the first round. It, he doesn't he doesn't necessarily do it with his first with 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 a first round pick is the only difference I think. Damian Harris, Anthony Jennings, both third round picks, and then Mac Jones, Christian Barmore. So I mean, it's a lot, a lot of Oakland, but they basically went power five. They spent big in free agency and went power five guys in this draft, Alabama, Alabama, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Michigan, Missouri, Colorado, and then uh, finally Trey Nixon from Central Florida. I, I mean, yeah, the Patriots are greatly improved. I would still pick the Bills to win the division. I think there's probably value in the Bills at minus 150 to win the division. And as I pointed out, I love the Bills over this year. But the Patriots should be much better. The unsold thing about their improvement this offseason, too, is that they, they're getting guys uh, back, including Dante Hightower. Alabama Whoa, when you look at those division odds, though, I mean, the Patriots at plus 350. And why are they behind the Dolphins? I mean, that is insanity. I I would put some money on that just because that's a number you're never going to get again with the Patriots. And you look at what they did in the division last year. We all agreed that they weren't very good last year. They still went three and three in the division. Uh, They did go 0-2 against the Bills, but there was one game they probably would have won if Cam Newton doesn't fumble it away. Uh, mm-hmm. In the final two minutes, you know, and you give them that game, all of a sudden they're four and two in the division. So there's no reason to think they can't go four, two, and five and one in the division. Now it's the rest of the games you have to worry about. Uh, but man, at plus three fifty, that would, is enticing. Would any of you take the Miami Dolphins at plus three forty over the Patriots at plus three fifty? No. I yeah. Mean, no. Why, who is? Why is that even there? Uh, I feel better. I feel better about the Patriots' quarterback situation than I do the Dolphins' quarterback situation. The but the one thing about Cam Newton too, and I mentioned this on radio with my pals Toucher and Rich on ninety eight five, the Sports Hub in New England, um, that it it is it, and it's tough to do this because you have three games before and twelve games afterwards. But Cam Newton was a different quarterback after he got COVID. He was much, 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 much worse. He had st- he had played pretty well the first three games, I thought. And New England was two and one in those, and with their loss being to Seattle, where he got stuffed at the one yard line, they could have been three and zero. Oh. He gets COVID in Week Four against Kansas City. He almost beat KC, and then after that, he averaged uh, under sixty five percent completions, one hundred and sixty two yards per game, six touchdowns, eight interceptions, and really wasn't even as effective as a rusher. And he said. I don't know if he has he said that COVID bothered him. I feel like that's not something Cam would say, but it to me it looked like it clearly. No, it certainly could have. I don't know if he said it or not, and that's I, that's fair. I get it, but I my it's part that probably, but I also thought I wasn't convinced he was one hundred percent healthy. So maybe the combination of the two and not being able to work out with the team and all that stuff means that he will be better. I think he got banged up at practice a few days ago. I haven't heard anything about it since, so maybe it's not a big deal. Yeah, but yeah. Well, but the difference too this year, and it goes back to why they're on the most improved list. Maybe you'll get a more improved Cam Newton. And if you don't, you have Mac Jones, who in theory is a high floor, can start for you as a rookie quarterback. We'll see how that pans out. Here's what Cam said about that. He said, quote, by the time I came back from COVID, I didn't feel comfortable physically or skillfully. A lot of that discomfort came pre-snap. I'm lost. I'm thinking too much. The offense kept going, but I was stopped and stagnant for two weeks. Uh, so it seems like he was a little everything. So COVID played a part. He felt like he regressed after getting it. Yeah, for sure. The, all right. So that's the Pats. They make the list. Any, I mean, I, I told y'all earlier this year that I took, I've got the Pats. I bet on the Pats at some point. Where is it? I can't find it. Um, I bet on the Pats to win the division. I think at four, 
I got him at four to one to win the AFC East. Oh, yeah, that's, that's I mean that's good. And look, you mentioned that Seahawks game, and I mentioned the Bills game. The, the, this Patriots team, which was not good last year, was about three plays away from being nine and seven. So between the Seahawks and the Bills game. So it is kind of crazy to think about what they did with such a bad roster, and now it's improved so much. Yeah, I mean, it would not be insane at all for them to take a leap forward and just be a and be a ten win team and be very improved. So good pick, Breach. Unsurprisingly, you took the low hanging fruit. I ah. will take the Los Angeles Chargers. I thought about taking the Rams, but there's this weird thing going on with me and Breach, where Breach keeps is trying to. Breach does this thing, Wilson, where if he has a take he likes. He's not going to discuss and say, hey, I know you had this first. Breach is just going to start mentioning it as many times as possible so that way he tricks people into believing it's his take that the that the Rams are, are the team to beat, that the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. So one of the five signs that someone's a sociopath. I'm sure he does that with his wife. Like in he says, my defense, Wilson, I have been on the Rams wagon bandwagon since uh, the guy I went to college with got hired as their head coach. I knew it. I knew it. I knew he's bringing that up. So you, you've never picked him to make the Super Bowl. I've picked him to go to the playoffs every year. I've been on the Matthew Stafford bandwagon since before Sean McVay was born. That's not a good bandwagon to be on, man. He hasn't oh, ever won a playoff game. He's Stafford the Andy Dalton of the NFC. You're on the Matthew Stafford bandwagon now if you're on the Rams bandwagon. Yeah, it's because it's a good bandwagon. It was before it had flat tires and was like going through an African savanna where the lion, you know, like lions don't do anything there. That's where lions live. We've gotten uh, African safari, lions, and we've gotten driving through a garbage truck from Breach. A Corvette driving, a, a top-down Corvette driving through a garbage truck. It's the off-season for us, too. I'm working on this stuff. It's going to get better by the time we get back to the season. I think how, about Breach, you, how about you workshop these analogies with your daughter before you bring her to the table on the podcast? She's got some good ones. Anywho, uh, I thought about going with the Rams because of the Matthew Stafford edition, but... You know, we talk about Troy Hill and Josh Johnson. You know, they 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 lost plenty too, and I don't know they're necessarily definitely better. I mean, they're they're improved, but I don't know if they're the most improved. For the Chargers, however, I look at Chargers and the way that they looked on the offensive line coming into free agency was highly, highly concerning uh, for me. It was Trey Pipkins, Forrest Lamp, Dan Feeney, Trey Turner, and Brian Bulaga with uh, Feeney and Lamp, I believe, being unrestricted free agents. So that was that was extremely concerning. They were basically losing everybody. And so then they go out and they have Bulaga stick around. They, they cut uh, Trey Turner. They signed Corey Lindsley in free agency from the Green Bay Packers. That is a big, big signing, a veteran. Uh, Nate Prisco's top 100 list. As he should. And then they draft. They don't have to trade at all in the first round. And they, they were able to pick up Rashawn Slater as well. So they really, really improved that offensive line. And to me, that is critical to be able to improve your offensive line, particularly the center position when you have a young quarterback like Justin Herbert. Jared Cook, a very sneaky addition. I know Hunter Henry is a, a you know, I love Hunter Henry. I think he's a great young player. For the future, you'd rather have Hunter Henry over Jared Cook, but I'm not sure I wouldn't rather have Jared Cook one year $4.5 million over Hunter Henry for three years and $38 million. That, to me, you could that, get more than two Jared Cooks for one Andy Dalton, just pointing that out. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> wow, Ryan. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Matt Tyler, they also signed the who's going to be a huge loss for the Steelers, who played right tackle in Pittsburgh. He'll probably kick inside. Did the your guard. wife divorce you for Andy Dalton? Well, there's a lot of Andy Dalton hate going on right now. Sounds like someone's projecting. 
uh, looking to see, yeah, the, the map thing is big. And uh, Ode Ibushi, who will also be on the inside as well. They also added uh, Brendan Jameis in the draft in the fifth round. Just worth noting that that's another draft pick. And while we're on the subject of their draft selections, uh, as I mentioned, Rashawn Slater in the first round. Then they come back and get Asante Samuel in the second round. I thought Asante Samuel was should have been a first-round pick. It just sounds kind of stupid, and ob- I don't know if it's stupid and obvious, but he's just he's just a, a Antoine Winfield Jr. Just a, 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 this year's version. Like he's a the next year later, a guy who has a father with a great NFL pedigree, showed incredible ball skills at, at a high level in college, undersized, undersized, and fell in the draft a little bit further than he probably should. And fell to the second round because of his size, and he's going to come in and probably be an impact guy right away. And then Josh Palmer, you slot in there as well. So now you have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, uh, Josh Palmer. That's some, you know, and they they really like uh, Jalen Guyton. I think more than mm-hmm. more than people are aware. My buddy uh, Chris Ayers talk, talks him up all the time. Yep, exactly. And so I look at this team with Austin Eckler, Justin Herbert, Gabe Neighbors. This is a this is a team I think can make some noise. But maybe the most important part of this team being uh, upgraded and improved the coaching staff. They got rid of Anthony Lynn, and Anthony Lynn's a good human being and, a, by all accounts, beloved by his locker room. But they got rid of him, and they brought in the, the quote-unquote defensive Sean McVay in Brandon Staley, who had been with the Rams last year. Uh, great uh, results from their defense. No, he does not have any head coaching experience. Yes, that can be a concern. Um, Joe, you know, Joe Lombardi is the offensive coordinator. We'll see how this works out at his next stop. But I think the coaching staff and what Brandon Staley will bring to this organization – is a key added component of improving this franchise. I think the Chargers can make some noise. Darren James is coming back, by the way. So fingers yep. crossed if he can stay healthy. That's a that's a huge get. Uh, Joey Bosa has Melvin uh, Melvin Ingram signed anywhere yet? No. The prevailing logic was that he might sign with the Chargers. I th- I think there's not a lot of money or interest in Melvin Ingram out there, which is weird. He's only I think 30. he's only visited the Dolphins and the Chiefs. I think he's looking to skip offseason uh-huh. okay. days, and then he's just going to sign back. Do the way, old sign in July, right? Yeah. They that defense is going to be going to be pretty good. And if, they, if Derwin and Joey Bosa are healthy, that defense will be. A top. And a guy to keep an eye on is Chris Rump, who was an edge rusher at Duke. He drafted him in the fourth round. He weighs two hundred and thirty pounds. His dad, uh, I think, is a defensive line coach in the NFL, so he has like incredible hands as a pass rusher, but he's going to be one of these guys like Durbin James, that I think they're going to have to move around a little bit because of his size. So that's another sort of fast guy without a position piece that you have on that defense that you sort of have to have when you're in the same division as Patrick Mahomes. So that's going to be the matchup. We haven't even talked about Justin Herbert, which is sort of funny. That's how good he was last year, but that's sort of what you're aiming to do is, is to find a way to, to beat the chiefs at least once. And then you have a chance to, to win the division. Yada, yada, yada. And Brenton mentioning the fact that Anthony Lynn is out is, look, all you had to do is bring in someone who can be a competent coach at the end of a football game because that was not what Anthony Lynn was good at. If anything, it was the reverse. He would absolutely melt down and the Chargers would blow lead after lead after lead. Uh, you look at their record last year, seven and nine. Seven of those nine losses were by one score. Uh, so games the Chargers could have or probably should have won and instead they didn't because the coaching staff was just continuing to make inept decisions down the stretch. So uh, Brandon Staley cannot possibly be any worse. So that alone is an improvement with the end of the game. 12 of their 17 games were one score games. It's not good. 
I mean, it's just, they just, you know, they lost to OT to the Chiefs. They lost an OT to the Saints. They won an OT against the Raiders late in the season. God, they had that crippling loss in, uh, in the regular season in week uh, nine to the Raiders, where it's like there were things going on that felt chargery. They almost lost to the Bengals. Yeah, they should have lost to the Bengals in week one. Boy, hey, but then did somebody miss a field goal on that? I can't remember. Do you not have that drop anymore? I think we got rid of it. Oh man! I got rid of it. Immediately regretted getting rid of it. Jeez, <laughs> we can find it. Uh, at any rate, the point being, it, it just av- be better coached. Avoid some of these one-score games, and you can avoid some of these one-score losses, which I, I think is likely. They did check out as a seven and nine team in terms of their expected win-loss uh, based on point differential last year. But you know, you watch that team, and you could tell. I mean, they just. You know, they just didn't have it. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> so, all right. Any more thoughts on the Chargers? I think. Um, let me see. What Their win total is also nine. So their right. win total is nine breach and the Chiefs are 12. So that's that's the three game is the difference according to Vegas. What they're doing in that division. Vegas I, is think, I think that Chargers over nine is a really good bet. Vegas eight, Denver seven and a half in case you're wondering for the rest. I think Chargers to win the division at plus 600 is an interesting bet. You know, it's Jeez. if I'm only 20% sure it's going to happen, I feel good about the plus 600 number. But this team turns a few things around. We just mentioned all those games they lost uh, that were close. They blew a 17-point lead to the Buccaneers. They blew a 17-point lead to the Saints. They blew huge leads. I mean, these weren't just like... But you know what you're saying, Breach? You're saying that we know nothing about Brandon Staley, but I'm convinced he's that's true. Four, four games better than what they had previously. That the, is what I'm saying. Very interesting opening schedule. Where they were at Washington, Dallas hmm. week two. Oh, wait a second. They could be 0 and 2. Uh, could be 2 and 0. It's NFC East, Ryan. I think it could also be 2 and 0. I mean, and then, then they're at the Chiefs, Raiders at home, Browns at home, at the Ravens before week seven bye. Wait a second. That is an incredibly tough start. That's no. not easy. That could be undefeated. <laughs> well, I think they'll beat the Raiders, but certainly. But those other games are not going to be. Where's the Browns game? California. Okay. All right. They'll be be favored in of those six games. They'll be favored in four of them. They'll be dogs at Baltimore and dogs at Kansas City. I think they'll be favored. I think they're basically a pick them at Washington, I believe. Any concern about sophomore slump? Yes. I don't know about sophomore slump, but you are doing a new coaching staff. So that's a concern. And he played out of his mind also, Justin Herbert did. so. Statistically speaking, there is a, a strong likelihood that there is some regression. And this is, again, when we say regression, we don't mean J- Justin Herbert's going to suck. It's just like we talk about the Bears' defense might regress a few years ago. This is, It just happens naturally. When something- yes, like the Bengals won two games last year. The last 10 years, they've averaged one win a season, so they might regress to one win next year. That's all we're saying. Unnecessary. But also, you know what else with Herbert and other quarterbacks who were rookies last it. year? They're playing in front of an NFL crowd for the first time. So well, all of a sudden, that is, this is Breach's big thing. It was a salary cap last year. Now he's worried about the crowd effect on people. Oh, you're, my God, there are people in the stands. I've never seen that before. Well, when, you're, when you're trying to score on the road with two minutes left and, and the crowd's cheering and you can't hear yourself think and you haven't had to deal with that in two years and you've never had to deal with it while trying to identify an NFL defense and make quick passes, uh, that's something that could have an impact. Unfortunately for him, it won't matter in the home games. That's true. Oh, Hey-oh. oh. 
Richardson dunking on the Chargers because they got rid of Philip Rivers uh, two years after, later. After, after, after the picking them as his favorite team, Pats at Eagles, Vikings, Steelers at Broncos, at Bengals, Giants, Chiefs at Texans, Broncos at Raiders. That's a lot of. They're gonna if they can go four and two or three and three in those opening stretch of games. That is a huge. That's not a huge ask. No, no, that's a that's a great start to the season. Is what I'm gonna say. Yeah, I'm saying if they can be at 500 or better, then this team is going to be making a, a playoff run. I've hey, Breach, where did the Chargers fit in your strength of schedule masterpiece? Do you remember? Uh, I do not remember. Oh, okay. I don't know if you know off the top of your head. because This doesn't sound like an easy schedule to me, at least the, the first month and a half. But The first know. six games are tough, and then yeah. you know, the Pats afterwards is not necessarily easy. But, I, I mean, they got the Texans, the Broncos. I mean, we'll see about the Broncos. It doesn't sound like they're going to get Aaron Rodgers. That makes it life a little bit tougher. Yeah, I wanted them to get Aaron Rodgers to make that division just incredibly insane. So you saw nine wins at William Hill? Yeah. I like over nine. Over nine and a half is plus money. I do think this and is... They're playing the NFC East. Like, the NFC East was the worst, hands down, going the worst Washington, division in football last year. To Washington and to Dallas? Is that how the start is? Both on the road? No, the Cowboys game's at home. Okay. Well, that'll be filled with Cowboys fans, to your point, though, Breach. So that's something else you have to consider. There won't be Chargers fans, I would imagine, right? That is true. So his first home game will actually be a road game. I think Washington is going to be good. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is come out slinging, doing what he does. That defense is going to – that'll be a true test for Justin Herbert as well to go up against that defense in week one. Sweet mercy. But All also right. a test for Ryan Fitzpatrick. His first game with Washington, he's going up against the Chargers defense, which is really good. Yeah, but he's going to play. Col- he might throw six interceptions. On my site, the Colts are Colts over under is nine and a half. The over is minus one fifty four. Wow! And the Chargers nine and a half. The over is plus one hundred six. I understand that these are two different teams in different divisions, but I I put them. I put I have the Chargers higher than the Colts. I, I, they got to play the Chiefs twice. I get it, but I would rather gamble on the, the Chargers just being great than the Colts being good. Uh, I don't know. That's close. That's a close call. Put now put the Chargers in that division, then absolutely. But I think yeah, if you flip the Chargers, the Chargers are like five to one to win the Super Bowl. If you put it in the AFC South, by the way, the Chargers odds to win the Super Bowl thirty five to one. Is that right? I like that. Name is the odds of what the what was the thirty five to one bet you just mentioned that sounded ridiculous? Uh, Baker Mayfield MVP. Oh yeah, Justin so twenty to one to win. You need to par away Chargers Super Bowl win Baker MVP. <laughs> you can retire. Get it right. <laughs> Actually, I think I like Baker to win the win the MVP more than I like the Chargers to win the Super Bowl. The real these Super Bowl numbers. The problem with the Super Bowl numbers is these uh, sports books. And this is happening a little bit with the MVP right now too, and because they've been gouged by Mahomes and they've been gouged by the Bucks winning the Super Bowl and they've been gouged by Lamar Jackson winning the MVP. Um, so they are and Aaron Rodgers hit him up pretty good. I think this past year, I think that they are hesitant to give true Super Bowl odds. Like 35, the the, uh, the actual odds of the Chargers winning the Super Bowl coming from the Chiefs division, you know, with the other, plenty of other good, the Bills are, in, you know, the actual odds of the Chargers winning the Super Bowl is le- is like 50 to one, I think. But you're just not going to get that real number. They're, they want it shrunk down so people don't have these longer looks at, at big payouts. I mean, and I, I understand that. That's business. I just think, when you look at some of these, no, I mean, there's only eight or nine teams, I believe, above uh, 70 or 50 to one in terms of to win the Super Bowl. And they're pretty bad. football. But I think it's 35 to one and not 51 because odds makers are a little bit more worried that you have more teams getting in the playoffs. So look, sure. almost 50 percent. If you're an AFC team, seven out of 16 are getting in. And if you get in, all you have to do is get hot. I mean, we saw with the Buccaneers. 
they were a wild card team. They won every single playoff game on the road. They were six and five last season at one point and turn around and won the Super Bowl. So it, you, you get hit hot at the right time. And so I think because of the extra playoff spot, uh, we've seen odds slightly not be where they should be. Well, I, for instance, the Falcons are 75 to one to win the Super Bowl. I mean, I love it. Wow. It should be like 125. It should be way more than that. It should be like 2000 to one. Right, but, but they're not going to put the numbers up there because maybe because the Falcons have been to the Super Bowl recently. Well, and they won't because what was that team in, in soccer that was like 5,000 to one odds? Leicester, Leicester City. Leicester City. Because of that, that like you'll never see NFL odds over like plus 100, plus one, plus 150, I think is the max. No, you no, just no, don't no. see more. Texans are 300. Texans and Lions are 300 to one. The 300, that, like that's literally as high as you'll ever see on an NFL the, team. Texans th- I mean, I guess if Deshaun Watson came back, Get that now. Deshaun's in there. At least you have a fighting chance. No, you don't. You have zero <laughs> chance. I mean, the zero. Eagles, Jags, Bengals, and yeah, the Eagles, Jags, and Bengals are a one f- 150 to one. The Eagles are in the that Bengals group. The Eagles are winning the Super Bowl. Wait, the Eagles are in the same group as the Jags and the Bengals? That's correct. Oh, man, that was a precipitous fall off that the hurts. Super Bowl. Cliff. That just means I'm going to win a lot of money when the Bengals win the Super Bowl, and I'm not going to give any of it to you guys. Well, what what would the number need to be for the Bengals to win the Super Bowl for you to actually bet it, Breach? What? What would you What would you think is the fair number for the Bengals to win the Super Bowl that you would bet? Because 150, I mean, 151 does not feel... What do you mean? It doesn't feel right? He's already bet it. He's already bet it down from 200. I would bet, I would bet 150. <laughs> 150 to 1? Yeah. Why? Why would you do that? Uh, I'm I'm reading these off. I'm I went somewhere other than William Hill. That's my fault. Deep, Eagles are 75 to one on William Hill. I was, trying, I, was, I was trying to find the number of teams who are below 50 in that order. It's just hard to do on their site. So you would bet the Eagle. You would bet the Bengals at, at 150 to one. Yes, maybe. Probably a thousand dollars. What would okay, what William Hill's be? odds are even tighter? There's only. See the Panthers are sixty. The Panthers are sixty to one. This should not be sixty to one to win the Super Bowl. I mean, it's ridiculous. Panthers are. I mean, sixty to one. Like I hit. I mean, I hit go, like golfers on a weekly basis are more than sixty to one to win a, a tournament for the week. The Panthers should not be sixty to one to win the freaking Super Bowl. Just don't bet Super Bowl odds are bad. Yeah, on William Hill, the Bengals are 100 to 1, the Lions are 150 to 1, and the Texans are 20 to 1. 20, 200 to 1. 200. Yeah, not 20 to 1. Yeah. So, but I mean, again, the Bengals are not a 100 to 1 to win the, to win the, to, you know, to win the Super Bowl. It's, there's like 500 to 1. Yeah, that would be the actual odds of it actually, if it actually happened, I think. Oh, then I guess you're not going to bet them, are you, Brinson? I would not be betting the Bengals at 100 to one. That's too bad because you know who thinks Joe Burrow's going to win multiple Super Bowls with the Bengals? Pete Prisco. All right, so mm-hmm. let me put it this way: the Bengals are 24 to one to win their own division, and they, it's just four times more likely that they're to win. The no, Super because Bowl. you don't have to win your division to win the Super Bowl. I, I, I know, but all right, let's. This is pointless. <laughs> it's like talking to a baby, <laughs> trying to get to turn to reason with a baby <laughs> to explain nuclear physics to you. We're good. Bengals baby, Bengals baby, yeah, Bengals, breach. baby. Bengals baby breach, Bengals boss baby breach. <laughs> All right, that's it. We can get out of here. Um, let, go play with the baby anyway. You know, so. A better topic would have been honorable mention most improved teams. But uh, by the way, do you think uh, Breach's one year old daughter thinks 
God, I'm talking to a baby right now. She tries, her dad tries to have a conversation with her. Just the insane things he says to her. Or she understands everything I'm saying because it's like two babies talking to each other. That could also be the case. I bet she's smarter. Just a hunch. <laughs> she's betting on the Bengals. I bet you're right. All right, let's get out of here. That's it for the show. Thanks for listening. We'll be, uh, we'll be doing, I think, are we doing triplet? No, what are we doing? Next, I don't know. Well, we'll get it for New CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What are the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS. Monday, 9, 8 central. On CBS. And streaming on Paramount+. Plus.